Let's do this. Ephesians chapter 2. What we're going to look at today in Ephesians chapter 2, in this brief uh, mini lesson, is we're going to talk about the three different people groups in the Bible. There's three different people groups in the Bible. Now, I'm going to address three different people that this isn't the three different people groups in the Bible that I'm talking about. But there are three different people in this room, potentially. Number one, you might be saved. Okay? Some of you are confidently, uh, confidently, you know, aware that you were born again. Some of you, maybe you are or you're not. You don't know. You're like, I think I might be. There was this time where I, you know, thought through it. And then some of you, you're not saved. And you know it. Because when I say, hey, are you saved? You're like, I don't even know what that means, right? And that's okay. Whether you're in any of those three groups, what I want you to do is I want you to pay attention to what salvation is, okay? That's what I want you to listen for. If you are saved, okay, if you're a believer and you know that, the goal is that you would just continue to be thankful for your salvation. Like Mitch preached on Tuesday, man, would you just turn around and thank God for what he's done for you? Okay, and then on top of that, we're going to talk about the three different people groups that we'll find in Scripture. In other words, there's three audiences that God wrote the Bible to. All of the Bible is written for you, but it's not all written to you. Okay, there's three different people groups, and we're actually going to, we're going to, we're going to look at them, we're going to see them in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, but first, we've got to lay some ground here. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we're going to set the stage for, for Ephesians 2, okay? Cool? Can we pray together? Will you pray with me? All right. Father, thank you for this group. <clears throat> thank you for Tiffany and Nate and their family and um, just the testimony that you've given them and how you have poured out your love, God, and how you've poured out your grace and your mercy. Um, God, I, I think the, the thing that stood out to me just right now as I'm thinking about, you know, Mark, and I'm thinking about the men in, in my life that have had major impact. Um, it just stands out that Sam, you know, was so gracious and loving and fatherly to Tiffany and um, how he is that way to all of us, you know. Um, you know, Seth has a special parent-child relationship with his dad, obviously, but um, God, he is very much like a father to us, and, and that's a gift from you. Uh, he shows us your love. And um, God, thank you for Pastor Sam. God, would you give him grace this morning as he preaches your word? Uh, God, would you bless him? I know that, um, you know, a lot of the men, a lot of the pastors here have heavy hearts and, and they've made such investments in us. We just want to invest in them by praying for them, lifting them up to you right now and asking for your strength to preach your grace, uh, to, to lead, to envision. And God, I ask the same thing for myself that, uh, you would help me to just get out of the way and um, hide behind your word. Would your word have free course? Would we learn what we need to learn from you? And God, would we be led by you in how we need to be led? Uh, would you encourage us? Would you, would you draw our hearts to you? God, would you prepare our hearts to worship, to lift up praise in our next service? God, would everything that we do here in this morning, would it be meaningful? And would it, would it, would it draw us to the rest of this morning? Would it prepare us for the next service? God, help us to lay our lives down and, and to just receive what, what you have for us. God, would you be with us in this time? Would you meet us here? 
And um, God, we need your blessing. And so, Lord, we're thankful to you. And uh, we lift it all up in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's lay the ground. Uh, In talking about ministering to people, okay, Paul explains to the church... He's talking about ministering to people. He explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 36 through 37. That's not good. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, he says in verse 36 and 37, Give none offense neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. He lays out for us the three different people groups in the Bible. You've got the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. Okay? Does that make sense? You want to make note of that. Those are the three audiences that God writes to in your Bible. As you read Scripture, you can tag the audience of any given verse, chapter, or book uh, to those groups. Now, what that means is... Excuse me, that means that you can open your Bible and start reading, and you might actually be reading someone else's mail, right? You might be reading a message that was not written to you, it was written to a totally different people group, okay? Now that's important, and we're going to look at why that's important, Uh, but, but as we get into Ephesians, this concept that there's three different people groups now is brand new to the church in Ephesus, Okay? It's brand new. They don't know that. Right? They don't know that there's three different people groups. And it's also pretty unfamiliar to us as the church today that there's three different people groups. Okay? A lot of people don't understand that they might be reading someone else's mail if they just open the Bible anywhere. Right? So, here's what we take. There's a principle that we see, um, an, an instruction in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, that tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And here's our instruction. Here's what you and I are to do when we read our Bible. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We've got to divide it, which means we have to divide it into those three different people groups. We've got to know who God is writing to. That's one division that you have to... Uh, You have to discern. Now, what we're going to look at uh, this morning is an example of how we can divide the word. We can see what is in there. Um, And we're going to we're going to distinguish these three groups in Ephesians chapter two. Now, here's why it's important. Here's why it's important that you do that. To rightly divide scripture. okay, to divide it, to break it up, to understand who the audience is, to understand uh, when it was written, why it was written. To understand that, to rightly divide, is to rightly understand God's thoughts and feelings. Okay? It's to rightly understand God's thoughts and feelings. Now, contrarily to wrongly divide Scripture is to wrongly convey His thoughts and feelings. For example, if you read Scripture, if you, let's say, open up to Leviticus and you're reading about the law, and you're reading about all the sacrifices that you're supposed to make, when you sin. Okay, well, if you're a zealous person, if you have a genuine heart, you love God, you want people to follow Him, well, if I just go out and start teaching people, hey, the Bible says you have to do this, this, and this. You have to make these sacrifices. All of a sudden, you're conveying something that God does not believe. That's not for you, right? You say, well, nobody would ever do that. Okay, you can open up the New Testament 
And you can read all sorts of doctrines, uh, in, in, incorrect doctrines about salvation, about uh, spiritual gifts, about all these. This, there's a, a large assortment of things that you can read incorrectly if you divide incorrectly. And then if you go and share that, you're sharing God incorrectly. Now, why does that matter? Why does doctrine matter? I always struggled with doctrine doesn't matter, just Jesus. Jesus does. Mm. Doctrine matters because when you share what you know, to wrongly divide Scripture is to risk the damnation of souls. What if you tell someone how to get saved incorrectly? And they don't get saved, but they think they are. So they go their whole life thinking they're saved, but they're not. Yikes. Whose fault is it? Well, who shared the gospel with them incorrectly? Well, if it's you... Okay, that's pretty tough, right? To wrongly divide Scripture is also to warrant a judgment seat of Christ filled with regret. Now, as I was watching that judgment seat of Christ video of Mark, man, oh man, that had me thinking about the judgment seat of Christ. And man, to think that we could be at the judgment seat of Christ standing before Jesus and He's going through our life and He's looking at every instance, every conversation, every moment. And to think that I was lazy or I didn't understand Scripture correctly because I didn't pursue doctrine. I didn't ask my leaders. I didn't ask my pastors how to, how to read it and figure it out. Man, people weren't saved because I wasn't willing. That's a scary thought. It's important that we understand there's three groups of uh, people in the Bible. Because doctrine matters. We've got to rightly divide it. And so as we walk through this passage, that's what we need to see. So that's what we're going to take. And I don't know why we needed to look at the three groups of people in the Bible this morning. I don't choose uh, what's in the Bible. God does. And so I believe that, that He has something for each of us from this. So as we, as we get into these verses, we're going to look at verses 11 to 18. But let's lay some context. If you weren't here or you forgot what we did last week. <clears throat> We've been in Ephesians. We've covered... Uh, we covered verses 8 through 10 last week, and we covered uh, 1 through 7 the week before. But in those verses, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it's all about our place in Christ. If you're saved, you're spiritually in Christ. And I read that quote, I don't know if you remember, I read a quote uh, by John Phillips where he describes going up into uh, heaven. And if you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going, eventually, you know, there's, uh, you pass from the universe into heaven and and then and then at the right hand of God you have Christ and spiritually we're right up in there whoa that's incredible so we detailed that uh, these verses also talk about our salvation that we get by grace through faith right that you and I can't do anything to impress God we can't do anything God had to give us the blessing the gift of eternal life right so now, after laying that foundation, Paul has told you all about your salvation and where you're at spiritually. He says in verse 11, Wherefore, which means, okay, that's why. Considering that, that's why, he says, remember. So he's telling us you need to think backward. And I want you to also pay, pay close attention to the pronouns, okay? I kind of bolded them. You can't really tell that they're bolded, but pay attention to the pronouns as we go through this. He says, wherefore, he tells the church, okay, because of your place in Christ, because of your salvation that's by grace, grace through faith, remember that 
ye, he's talking to them, ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. He's talking to them. He's calling them Gentiles. Why isn't he saying we being Gentiles? What? Why didn't Paul say we were Gentiles? Because Paul wasn't the Gentile. He was a Jew. Okay, so he's making that clear. Ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Okay, who called, who called the Gentiles uncircumcision? The Jews, the circumcision. Okay, and you can study that on your own or ask your parents. Uh, but... Yeah, so he's, he's referring to Gentiles. You used to be called uncircumcision by the circumcision, by Jews. There was a division. Verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who, were, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He, he's laying out, hey, you guys used to be Gentiles, and as Gentiles, as not God's chosen people of the Jews, you didn't have closeness with God. You were, you were pretty much doomed, right? He said, now, now, let me be clear, before Jesus, anyone could be, quote-unquote, saved, Right? But it was a lot more complicated. There was the law. You, you can walk, you divide your dispensations and you see that there is a different, uh, there's a different economy for salvation. Okay? There's a different way. It looks different to be saved in the Old Testament. And the Jews were heavily used in that process. So he's telling the Gentiles, man, it was really tough for you. You were kind of, you're kind of screwed. Okay? But now... You, you were far off and now you're made nigh. You're made close by the, by the blood of Christ. Here's a note. Our background, where you come from, your ethnicity, your culture, your politics, your beliefs outside of Christ don't benefit us at all in relating to God. Your background in terms of relating to God, it doesn't matter. The, the color of your skin, the language you speak, the ideologies you subscribe to, your politics, doesn't matter. It doesn't get you close to God. Okay? None of that will benefit you. And in a day and age where politics is all the rage, right? When, when you know... Social, racial relations is in the news every day. We've got to remember, none of that benefits me in relating to God. Okay, so let's look at where you are now, if you're in Christ, okay? He says, to these Gentile believers, he says, For he, now that Christ is established here in verse 13, now into verse 14, for he is our peace. Okay, now he's using that um, inclusive pronoun. He is our peace who hath made both, both who? Both Jews and Gentiles, one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself, in himself, in Christ, he used his flesh. He came and gave his body as the price for our sin to give us peace. And what he did was he broke down, he fulfilled the law, 
these ordinances, these things that separated Jews from Gentiles, right? And he just, he did away with it. And now all of a sudden, in him, for to make in himself of twain, okay, what? Of two different things, twain, two different things. That's how you can remember that. For to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both Jews and Gentiles unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, Gentiles, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. Who were the ones that were nigh? Jews. Thank you, Trevon, and then everyone else. Right? Verse 18. For, though, uh, for through him we... Both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Does that make sense? You can see all three people groups in these verses. Paul lays it out in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 30. I forgot, 36. What did I say? 35? 36? And 37. And then he also, he describes it again here in these verses. And he talks about what happened with those three different groups. Jews and Gentiles. That was the Old Testament people groups that you have. And then Jesus came and you have this New Testament and all of a sudden there's three different people groups. The Gentiles and Jews can be combined into one if they're in Christ. And now all of a sudden you've got the church and that's you and me. You're not a Gentile. Nor are you a Jew. You're a church. Right? You're a church. So in Scripture, whenever you see Paul writing to the church, that's to you. But in all of the Old Testament, all of it, it's not written to you. So as you read it, you should read it. All Scripture is given for, uh, by God, inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Like, it is all profitable. You should read it all. You should take it in. You should apply it, but you should know that there are things you don't apply to you because it's not written to you. Does that make sense? You with me? Okay. Here's a couple key points, and then we're going to get into our small groups for about, we'll have about 15 minutes. Here's a key point. We, uh, when we needed grace and reconciliation as people, as individuals, but as a people group, Jesus paid the price for it. And that price that he paid, we couldn't afford You and I couldn't afford a right relationship with God. Do you know why? Do you know what the price for a right relationship with God is? It's death. It costs you death to have a right relationship with God. Why? Well, because we've sinned. Because our sin separates us from God. Our sin breaks that that relationship potential that we have. We can't have a relationship with God because of our sin. But... Jesus came and the price for a reconciled relationship, for a right relationship with God is death. And he paid that. He paid it and we couldn't afford it. That's grace. That's great. Right? And then another key point is, and this is how we apply it. This is what we do with it. Okay? We're the church. Here's your key point. Now God uses the church to reach the nations with this good news. He uses the church. And there's a lot that could be said about this. We could pull from. Uh, but I wanted to be brief because I wanted us to get into small groups. And I want us to, to be able to walk through some things together. <clears throat> and, and so you are the church. Okay? If you're a believer. If you're not a believer, 
If you're not born again, if you don't know that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, not just Lord and Savior of this church, but you personally, that he, he died for your sins. Like he was, if you haven't recognized that he was thinking about you individually when he died on the cross, you need to accept that grace. You need to accept that payment for your sin. And you need to repent from your sin. You need to follow him. There is no God like Jesus. There is no one better to follow. You need that. And it is a privilege to get to do that. It's an honor. It will, it will cost you everything. In terms of practically, your reputation, you know, rejection. It, it, it might cost you even your life. But it is a privilege and an honor to get to do that. Because God is so good. And that's what you need to do if you're not saved. If you are saved, man, church, God wants to use you. He wants to use us. Well, as we get into that place where where we're wanting to be used by God, right? We first have to identify with each other. Wait, I'm, I'm not the church by myself. I'm the church with Brock and Seth and Naomi. I'm the church with all you guys. Okay, so I should probably get to know you guys a little bit, right? I should probably get accountable with you. That doesn't mean I need to know all your deepest, darkest secrets. You can leave that for, you know, Pastor Sam. But I at least need to know something about you. And you need to know something about me, right? Because if we don't, how are we going to call ourselves the church if we don't even know each other? That's silly, right? Okay, so it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to require you to sacrifice. And it's going to require you to pray for your brothers and sisters. We need to be the church. We need to be the church to each other and for each other. And we need to see each other used to bring the good news to the, to the nations. Does that make sense? So here's what the small groups will be. Uh, there's going to be a few things that we work through. Hiccups or holdups. And then who are you praying for now? Uh, I want to explain these to you before you break up and and take about probably actually 10 minutes to pray. Here's what the hiccups are that you can bring out in your group, okay? What are the things that you wonder about? What are the questions that you have about God, about the Bible? What are things that, you know, when you come to the Bible, it's a mystery to you. And you're like, I don't know about that. Maybe come skeptically. Well, why? What are you skeptical of? And just air that out, right? Just air it out. I guarantee this. Let me tell you this, okay? If you're worried about what other people will think about you, because I would be, I don't want to share like one of these things that I have because people might judge it. Okay, listen. Every person in this room, including myself, everyone in here that will hear you say your thing, has just as many hiccups, has just as many doubts, has just as many questions as you do. And if they if they don't tell them, it's because they're half asleep, right? You can be honest with the things that you have hiccups about, or maybe it's holdups. Now, holdups is things I'm, I'm thinking about things that might seem to prevent you from walking with God. So maybe it's sin. Maybe it is a serious doubt. Maybe it's something uh, in your life, in your family, that you're like, man, this thing it, it's it's holding me up. I mean, it's preventing me from even getting to church, or it's you know, I, I'm addicted to this thing, whatever it is. Right? We can air those things out as well. 
And then the last one, who are you praying for? What I'd like you guys to, to just discuss is uh, who it is you're praying for. And that might be you. You might be praying for yourself. You might not be thinking, oh, I'm trusting the Lord for this person to be saved. That's okay. You are where you're at, right? I want you to, I want you to just be honest. I'm, I, need to pray for my, I need you to pray for me, guys. I don't have anybody in mind except for myself. Cool. Maybe there's a lost friend or family member. that You're desperate and God would save them. Might be someone who, who has a specific need. I'll tell you this, okay? If we're giving testimony this morning, my brother, years ago, was in, in a really bad situation. I mean, he was, like, I thought he was going to die. <laughs> I mean, he was just doing some really rough stuff. You know, he, like, he, he has a similar testimony to Tiffany in that he wanted to just do whatever he wanted to do, and that ended up bringing him to a place where he, he was going to lose his family, and he got put on church discipline. He got kicked out. It wasn't that he left on his own. It was that he was around and he was still trying to do stuff. And, and I had to sit in a meeting with some pastors and we said, hey, you're not a member here. you got to get out of here. Really, really, really awful conversation to have with your big brother. Terrible. Still one of the hardest conversations I've ever had in my life. And then he's like, okay, he receives it. And then a few months later, he's like, I need to come back. I want to come back. I'll do whatever I'll do whatever you tell me to do. So he submits himself and then joins our church again. And then months go by and he's just proving faithfulness. And it's a really slow process. Months, years, then he joins the choir. Where you guys have probably seen him. And he's singing. He's the one that <laughs> He wears the suspenders. He's got so much joy. It doesn't make sense, you guys. It does not make sense. He's singing on the, on the choir, and, and, and he just keeps doing that. And then, like this morning, then he started to sing just as part of the worship team. He's leading worship, not a part of the choir, but he's singing. So to hear my brother sing worship is literally one of the top ten sounds of all time for me. To hear my brother sing worship, bro, there's nothing like that. But then, so years go by, and then he's a part of a Bible study, and years go by, right? And they've gone by, and, and then they ask him, hey, will you, will you apprentice disciple someone? Will you disciple someone? Wow. And then they ask him about helping lead a Bible study. Whoa. And now all of a sudden, he, he's invited to be part of this uh, thing that we call preach night, where growing leaders, they, they, they sit in a room, this room and that room, and they literally just preach messages and they critique each other. And the pastors kind of lead and teach what it means to preach the Bible. And now he's getting equipped and trained to preach the Bible. Are you kidding me? I know this. I was pretty desperate for my brother just to get saved. Kylie and I were weeping on my parents' couch 10 years ago or something. Weeping for my brother to be saved. God just saved my brother. And then he did. So maybe you have a desperate situation in your life. You need God to, to move in a big way in someone you care about's life. Salvation, whatever. Well, we want to hear that. Okay? And we need to pray. We need to seek the Lord. And then we need to go into worship service. Right? And hear Sam preach. Okay? Let's take about 10 minutes. If you would, find a group, three, four, whatever, and just walk through these things. What are your hiccups, holdups, and then who are you praying for?